2017 program this year. Uh, tonight we have uh, myself and Jennifer Lillis, who is not only a participant in E17, but also my co-host for Paper Cuts. Um, tonight is going to be a Paper Cuts podcast recording. So Paper Cuts as a, as a program is a podcast that explores the world of zines, small press, and DIY publications. Uh, once this conversation wraps up and either Jennifer and I get around to editing it, it will be online at papercutszines.com or you can acquire it through anywhere where you get your, your podcasts. Uh, joining us tonight are Athena Naylor and Rachma Soon and Caroline Kim of the Comeback Press. Uh, everyone here has produced zines as part of the E17's program. And as Katie said, you can purchase these at the Transformer website um, through their flat file program, or you can reach out to the artist directly. Um, as one more reminder, we are going to be having a conversation that will last roughly 45 minutes or so, and we're going to be holding the last 15 minutes after that as a Q&A with the audience. So if you do have a question, please feel free to, to type it into the chat, and we'll get to you at the end of the program. Um, what we'll do now is I'll introduce our participants. And while I'm doing so, um, I know this is an audio-based medium. This is a ultimately going to be a podcast. So anyone listening to this after tonight will not be able to see the zines. But while I'm introducing you, Athena and Rachna and Caroline, if you don't mind just maybe holding up your comics and zines as a little bit of like show and tell as I introduce you before we get into the questions. Um, but intros first. So first is Athena Naylor. Athena Naylor is a cartoonist originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, now living in Washington, DC. Through comics, Athena considers what makes the mundane meaningful and how big stories reside within small everyday events. Alongside her self-published collections of autobiographical comics, Athena's had work featured in The Lily and Nat Brute. Her comic, The Checkout Counter, was published through the podcast publishing venture, Paper Cuts. Her work can be found at athenanaylor.com and on Instagram at athena.naylor. Athena's comic that she produced as part of this program is called The Dailies, uh, Volume 3. In this, Athena documents moments from late 2018 to early 2020, pre-quarantine. This collection includes odes to friendship, notes on family trips, Halloween gender feelings, and experiencing sympathy for the mice in your shitty apartment. Also joining us are Late Comeback Press. Late Comeback Press is a Northern Virginia micro press run by Rachna Soon and Caroline Kim. Specializing in avant-garde zines, uh, communication and existentialism are at the center of their art, flourishing in the space before choices are made, when the possibilities can seem paralyzingly endless or distinctively finite. For this program, rather than creating a conventional book, they explore the boundaries to create a zine inside of a toy camera. By taking apart the cameras and replacing the reels inside with an eight-panel horror story, an nostalgic toy is transformed into an unsettling cinematic scare. Um, again, thank you all for joining us, Caroline, Rachna, and Athena. These zines and comics that you produce are amazing. I'm really glad that I had a chance to see them in person at Transformer. 
And I'm really sorry that everyone joining us can't actually hold them in, in their hands while we're talking. Although while we are talking, they should probably just order them from Transformer. Um, but to kick things off, uh, I have one question for each of you to kind of start the conversation going. And from there, we'll see how things go. I have questions for you. Jennifer has questions for you. I'm sure you have questions for yourselves or for each other. And the further we stray from a panel discussion, the better. Um, but first, Athena, as you've stated, a focus in your comics is small everyday moments and the larger picture that brief interactions, considerations, or observations can point towards. This third installment of the dailies are short stories that are also produced in a short time. You have an uncanny ability to compress a large range of ideas into short, finely crafted stories. And you've worked with paper cups before. We've had the privilege of printing one of your books. And I feel like Jennifer and I have had a closer view of how smart you work and how you can wield your craft over a longer production time. With that being said, how does the speed implied by the title of the book, Dailies, indicating that these stories took less than one day to write and draw, affect your craft as a storyteller? And how do you see these within your larger practice? Is this like a quick exercise? Is it a way to de define your skills? And going back to this collection, can you recognize an arc that has been unconsciously traced to the production of the book? Well, first of all, I have so many questions for myself every day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but to answer your question, um, I mean, I started drawing these dailies pretty much right after I graduated from grad school, uh, where I studied art history, and I hadn't been doing a ton of like finished comics work, so it definitely started as more of an exercise to kind of get back in the swing of things and like, I guess, hone the craft or however you want to phrase that. Um, I do think a sense of limitation helps with that. Um, the title does imply <laughs> speed, but oftentimes they aren't that quick um, as on every title page of these zines that I produce. I say like the title is dailies, but then the subtitle is diary comics that never came remotely close to being daily um, because they just took way too much time. Um, when I first started them, I could probably finish one in like a day or maybe two days like they start off as three panels but then I was like oh you know I'm producing these for Instagram I've got like 10 squares I can like play around and you know think more deeply about how I want to pace this and um now a days especially with like a day job and everything it takes more like maybe a week for a 10 panel comic um yeah so it is kind of interesting. In the moment, they are very much an exercise. Um, they're easy to write because they're just things that happen to me. But then when I compile them in a book, I'm like, oh, was I sad? Like at the end of 2018? Because it seems that way. I didn't notice though at the time. Um, and I also find it funny because I, you know, for this, I dredged up this is my third dailies collection. And I found the first and the second dailies. And the first dailies was like, these comics from like four months of time and then the second one was like nine months of time and this one is like over a year uh so it's kind of also a documentation of kind of how much busier i've gotten and uh changes in priorities and i feel like this one also kind of 
bops around a bit, like not only in time, but most of the other ones were focused on DC and this one is like DC, but I also think about like going home or going to LA for the first time, or there's a comic where I'm with friends in Utah. Like um, I think it's a bit more encompassing of a daily, more varied daily experience. Um, yeah. Well, thanks. And I definitely want to ask you more about geography and place in terms of the storytelling as well. Um, but first, with this first question out to Late Comeback Press. Um, so Late Comeback Press produces everything independently and by hand. You've been focusing on telling stories through comics and also looking at the book form itself as a storytelling object. For Shudder, you've decided to play with the definition of what a zine is. I'm curious about how the drive to tell stories intersects with the need to experiment with materials and the opportunities that come from specific, from specific formats. There's a haptic knowledge that as artists can only really be gained by working with physical materials. Can you talk about how all of these interests feed into each other? And can you walk us through how your want to challenge the idea of what is a zine landed in this like hacked toy camera? I don't know if you want to start, Rocco. You can start. <laughs> <laughs> how kind of you. <laughs> Um, the beginning of these, this year, we, it, it started with, um, our needing to market since we don't really have like a huge, um, a, a lot of the people who follow us are, are good friends of ours is what it feels like. We have a very small group of people who enjoy the work that we do. So it's, it began with having to think of how to market ourselves and also kind of leverage Instagram and social media in a way that is also storytelling. And so it started with um, how can we, how can we make zines or, or mini zines digitally and be able to kind of play with the idea of what a zine is. And then from that and the readings from uh, the E17 program, kind of pushed us to think about the things that we like, the things that we've wanted to do, and then how zines can be created, but in a different way that we haven't done before. And Rachna and I both hand assemble our zines. She has the help of her sister, but she does do a, the bulk of the work. <laughs> um, but we were both tired of stitching, of having to punch holes, we share a Japanese um, screw punch, and right now we're not really supposed to be hanging out. So, um, you know, having to transport one material 10 minutes from each other, not great. Rockna is working like 12 hours a day, um, so that wasn't feasible. And so we decided that maybe it would be easier to make something else. And so we had the idea of uh, Late Cinema Club and figuring out something to do with film um, or photography, something like that. And we landed on the idea of the toy camera. Um, but we needed something cheaper than the Viewmaster because those are really expensive. <laughs> so we ended up with these cheap toy cameras from Amazon. Yeah, and I feel like since a lot of our work this year on Instagram has been like digital, how could we bring like a digital animation into like an analog form 
well, this seemed a lot less uh, labor intensive <laughs> from what I saw in the, in the mentorship program. You guys put a lot of work into this. Uh, there was a lot of learning that happened, a lot of texts, a lot of emojis of frustration. <laughs> a lot of trial and error and like self-teaching ourselves. A lot of new materials. <laughs> and it's kind of the problem with crafting an object in a way that has not really been done before. Like there's nothing else to really look at for how you're going to be cr like creating your own like viewfinder things for, for the stories you're telling. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, you both mentioned like trying to rework what you're doing a little bit for social media and Instagram, like specifically around this time period. Um, and I'm curious about like how that like falls back into the physical object, or like what that what that affords you versus uh, distributing work physically. I think for me personally, and probably also Caroline, we're like really bad marketers. And to like market ourselves on social media, it's like a hard thing to do. Like, hey, here's our product. And I think for me, it's just a lot easy, easier to just create and then just post it online instead of like trying to like push people to buy our stuff, but also as a means to just like experiment with creating and having people have access to that. I don't know. We also bo both love physical, having having something in hand. We're, I mean, both of us own Kindles, but I honestly haven't used mine since probably late 2019. I won't lie about that. I think I need to charge mine. <laughs> I think mine died too, yeah. Um, and for, for Instagram, for those marketing posts, I physically made mine and then took photos of it. So it's both digital content, but it's also a physical tactile object. Um, but Rachna, yours were GIFs, right? Yeah, just um, tiny animals. We always had the idea of somehow making GIFs or, or something like that in a physical way too. So that way people would have access to it both online, but also in hand as well. Yeah, I and mean, um, something else that I really like about the toy camera too, is kind of this like sense of nostalgia for us older generation who actually like play with those things as kids, right? And so um, just kind of insert my next question into this, but um, something that I find a connection between the both of you guys being comic artists is kind of thinking about the storytelling or narrative and um, you guys both handle developing of characters in different ways. And so I was wondering if Athena, looking back at your dailies one through three, kind of do you notice this shift of character of the people that you kind of document in your daily basis? Or um, kind of how do you actually express that emotion? Because your characters are very expressive, right? You really are able to capture their personality through your comics. And then um, for Late Comeback Press, I want you guys to talk a little bit more about kind of like the actual panels in the actual toy camera where kind of you talk about like maybe like where the imagery is coming from then we could kind of branch into this nerding out about doppelgangers maybe so Athena if you want to start with your question or your answer uh well I don't think I'm like literally looking at my comics right now I'm like has my characterization changed I think it stayed fairly consistent it is an odd thing when you're drawing autobiographical comics and this avatar of yourself is the main character 
like I often worry that then like all my friends are just kind of um what's the word oh this is the first time I've talked to anybody today by the way because <laughs> I'm quarantining alone so forgive me if I'm a little slow um I mean, it's just like someone else to bounce off of. So it's not just like me alone, like if I was doing a daily comic about today, just me alone in my apartment. Like, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I don't know how to answer your question. <laughs> I mean, uh, one thing you can think about too is kind of like what type of aesthetic tools do you use when you're actually drawing to really be able to capture the essence of these characters, right? And so um, is it a like compositional thing? Is it like, just kind of like, incorporating dialogue with imagery and so kind of how do comics help you to capture that right oh sure i mean yeah it's definitely um kind of the coordination of both the speech bubbles and the characters and the great thing about knowing the people that you're drawing is that you know their mannerisms so sometimes i will draw my friend they'll be like oh my gosh i totally do that or like that's exactly how it happened and so the acting aspect of it the expressiveness is kind of more natural um yeah i think with comics because i mean somewhat like the toy camera that is a comic too because it's this you're flipping through panels like you would swipe through panels on an instagram post um you do have kind of the pacing to play with too um so you can decide what like big piece of acting like lands as a comedic punchline or you know you get to play with the sense of anticipation and payoff. And that really helps with characterization too. Late comeback press. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like when I'm, I don't, I don't know if I make characters. I just feel like for me, everything just starts off with the feeling and I just kind of go off of that emotion and my characters, I feel like, aren't really based on anyone but myself, probably. Um, but with Shudder, I feel like it's less, it's the first time I've done something that's less kind of semi-autobiographical. Like, it's completely kind of fictional. Yeah, so um, mm -hmm. in the actual, like, pamphlet, you bring up the doppelganger, right? And so kind of maybe you can talk a little bit more about like what a doppelganger, doppelganger is and then kind of like how did you really reflect that into the actual object itself? I think it's like um, really up to the viewer because you don't know who the actual doppelganger, like if you look through the camera and the panels, you don't really know who the doppelganger is. Um, except for maybe at the end, but <laughs> But um, I think that's just like purposely left open-ended for the viewer to kind of, you know, put their own spin to it. Please note that we had nine panels and one of them is the title. <laughs> and like half of them are also like text panels. Yeah, <laughs> so there's not a whole lot of room to um, there's a lot of room for interpretation, not a whole lot of room for um, uh, more concrete detail. <laughs> yeah, and um, Doppelganger was actually kind of like, I had created another comic called Doppelganger and it's like pieces from that, but this one in the toy camera is like, I think it's a different kind of story. 
I think a little bit less personal. No, I was just gonna say, I'm trying to remember exactly the two narratives from the camera. Cause I remember there was one of just like a zoom in of a girl you see at the beach and it just kind of like fades into static. And then is the doppelganger one still that like kind of unnerving game of um, rock, paper, scissors? Yep. Is that correct? Okay, cool. I just wanted to clarify that. There's something that I wanted to ask each of you about like pacing with your stories. Like one of the things that's so amazing about the uh, the camera and the stories you produced for that is with just having nine panels trying to tell these like micro horror stories and how you really do need to make each panel count as much as possible. And same thing with the dailies, like having, uh, you had mentioned having 10 panels for Instagram if you were posting it up that way and keeping kind of like a tighter uh, amount of space on the page makes me think about how you're making decisions in terms of pacing for the stories, but also the idea of like what the landscape of the comic is. So a comic page, you can see all the panels at once. That does create a sense of space and almost like a geography to the comics. With the cameras that you're producing, uh, Caroline and Rachna, it's like that geography is broken up because of how the panels themselves are actually distributed and, and viewed. It's not all at once. It's panel by panel, and that sense of pacing to a degree is controlled by the audience. Um, so I'm curious about like how each of you approach space and pacing and how much of pace is a function of space. Is this a standoff? Who wants to answer first? <laughs> this is now a game of like to see who, who goes first. I mean, I, I can answer that. Um, I mean, because when I started dailies, that was definitely kind of what appealed to me. Like you only have 10 panels, just tell a story. So you really have to decide what you want the point to be. Um, and oftentimes that like nowadays that it will be why something a daily takes longer than I thought it would. Cause the pacing's incorrect. And I'm like, why isn't this working? And then you have to practice the whole kill your darlings. It's like, I really like the drawing of this panel but I don't need it. Like it's not really adding anything to the story. And if this is the emotional punch that deserves like three panels, like literally a third of the story. So um, it definitely is an interesting way of going about things. It often, I know um, one of our mentors, uh, Malika talks about this. She does those uh, magic books and that sense like you have eight pages to like get this really like profound feeling, like only eight pages though. And then it's like out in the world and that's it. It's a good practice for speed and brevity. But I feel like, like these zines are interesting to make because when I'm making the comics originally for Instagram, I'm not thinking about the page at all. Like putting 10 panels in a regularly like vertical page, it's really awkward. Um, so formatting these books is kind of, difficult and sometimes it works out really well and sometimes I'm like oh well <laughs> um, I'll just stack these and it'll be fine um, but I think ultimately this serves a different purpose than what I post on Instagram because it is the archive and you do get the context rather than just like kind of a one-off one punch thing I feel like when I do longer stories, I think a lot more about the page layout. So that's why this is more of an exercise 
for thinking more broadly about pacing and drawing and just finishing something so you know you have the stamina to like try something else. Yeah, and I think you have to like when you're like limited, you you have to be very intentional with each panel, I guess. And I feel like for us the toy camera, the space in between and how it moves, it kind of builds up anticipation, but it depends on like you have to be intentional, like how how can you fit one feeling or like, you know, like what panel is going to come before or after and does it make sense with like the text that follows? So I think it's just, I'm always thinking about like, how is it going to look on a page or if I'm going to swipe through? Yeah, I was going to say, especially with your camera, I mean, in terms of the ge geography of a page, it's almost like, it's less of a page and more of a page oh, turn. Hey, so man, like, good, especially for, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially for um, something like a horror story, <laughs> if you have a jump scare, <laughs> you should um, there you go, yeah. you think about the page turns and stuff like that. So I think that's an interesting aspect of doing like the sliding camera because it's like, oh, you have a text page and then like you click the shutter and the next panel might be something like totally jarring. Um, and the fact that, of course, you're viewing it through a very tiny pinprick, it's all the more, yeah. I guess, like, the viewer also, like, you can kind of control the speed at, you know, turning the page, but you can't go back. For us, it's, like, just one shutter button, and it's just one direction. Yeah, that, and as Athena mentioned, it's, you know, this very tiny, I don't know if anyone can see that, but it's not, it's not a huge area in which you can look through the camera. You have to, you have to close an eye and look through it. Um, and because it's so small, it's very restricting in what you can even see in through that hole. I mean, the whole panel doesn't even fit in this tiny hole. So parts of it, I don't want to say are cut off, but it's, it's very restricted in what you can see, which is, which lends to like, the horror theme. It worked well for us. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask kind of the difference for all of you between short form and like longer narrative forms. These are all short stories, but you've each produced like longer form narratives. Uh, what, what's that relationship for you? What can you do with longer, with a larger page count or with just more space than you, than you can with nine or 10 panels? I feel like I always only work in like short form. And I remember Malika saying in one of our meetings that um, for one of her books, it was just like, um, just a bunch of mini zines compiled into one. And I feel like that's how I work too. It's, it's really hard for me to um, yeah, work larger, I guess, or longer. So that's something that I have trouble with. Yeah, I agree with that because I was thinking of like the longest comic that I've done. I was like, I mean, but I did break it up into four pretty distinct chapters that each had like kind of their own thesis, if you will, that like build up on each other. But it was more, 
it had to be long form because they had to play off each other. Like if I separated those chapters, they would be fine. They would be coherent, but they wouldn't be necessarily as um, impactful or meaningful. Um, yeah, I guess this is kind of what the story calls for. Some stories are just longer. <laughs> One of the other things we, we talked about a lot during the, the program was the ideas ideas around community. And I think that's what's interesting about, or one interesting thing about both of your practices is that you kind of occupy multiple multiple communities, multiple spaces. Um, so it's, you know, being able to be in both the comics world and like zine, small press world. And Rock and Caroline, like Comeback Press has been through a number of art book fairs um, as well as like this zine and comics world. So how do you place yourself within this like Venn diagram of publishing communities? We don't. <laughs> We're not really sure what we are. We're everywhere. <laughs> we'll just try for anything that comes out to be honest with Christopher. We'll just apply for anything. <laughs> so we don't really, we try not to define it because it's not just difficult, but it's, it's hard to, I mean, what, I think we had that question during our meetings is what, what is the difference between a zine and an art book? Is it just the cost or what, what makes it truly different from each other? And then comics, there are plenty of zines that are also comics. And so what, how, how do we separate a zine from a comic and vice versa? Agreed. <laughs> I don't know exactly where I would place myself, the boundaries are pretty fluid. Um, a lot of the zines that I do are essentially comics. They're just short <laughs> and a little bit more scrappy. And the more like art books I've done have been narrative in their own way um, in terms of just being compilations of sketches from sketchbooks or um, like one of the first zines I did was just an interpretation of a a text conversation I had that I thought was funny and then I made it into this weird zine because I wanted to so there wasn't like a ton of thought as to like how I was going to categorize it. Yeah thank you. Caroline Rockman like one you've both participated in a couple like art book fairs recently that have been moved to online spaces. And of course, like the entire Exercises 17 program was moved into Zoom and this online world. Um, I'm, I'm curious about like what you thought about that experience, about like doing, for example, the Brooklyn Art Book Fair online, um, how that differs from being able to go to these places in person and interact with people. Um, and if there's anything that, that was unexpected or like was, uh, I'm sorry, a benefit, but like an added thing to that that you didn't really expect to happen. It felt, uh, Rachna, I don't, I think you were working at the time when there was a, like a zine, like a Zoom meeting. Uh, we had a slot, I think we were the very first for Brooklyn Art Book Fair. And we could potentially interact with uh, the, the folks who were buying our items off the website. But um, I don't know, it just kind of felt impersonal because we weren't physically there to see anyone uh, pick up our zines, look through them, and then purchase them. Um, 
but at the same time, there was a significantly higher number of attendance um, because it was online and access was so much easier than physically having to go to the, the fair. It was, I think when they were tracking it, I think Shopify may have crashed as well because of the number of people and there were some issues with checking out. So we had a couple orders come through because I think um, the website wasn't working, but um, it's been kind of weird. I mean, this whole year has been weird, <laughs> but the, the fair experience, especially because we're so used to seeing people physically and interacting with um, people in the same space, when you do it online and only have a Zoom slot for an hour where, you know, you don't know who's coming in and out. And uh, most of the attendees are the Brooklyn Art Book Fair people who run the fair. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, it's interesting, but it's not the same experience. I would say that as a shopper, because I did buy a few things from there, I kind of like that experience just because you could filter out things and it wasn't overwhelming. Um, so you could just kind of go through it at your own pace and you had a few days. Um, and if you were just looking for a certain type of um, thing, a zine or a comic or some merch, you could just kind of filter that out and then just look through that selection, which I thought that was that was great because I tend to get really overwhelmed and I don't really explore as much as I would like to and there are just so many like talented people and just yeah so that's one part that I really liked about that. Oh the website was great though very cool. Yeah. Yeah thanks it's just like a, an interesting new space for everyone to be exploring and I find that you know there's advantages to how things have played out just thinking about e17 like although we were not able to meet in person it's great to be able to have this like community that we've been able to build over the course of so many weeks online and being able to able to open up this conversation to a larger audience through zoom than would have been able to really fit into, into a transformer um but talking about the audience maybe we can open this up to audience questions um so we have uh, first a question from Edith. And before I jump into this, just to remind everyone that if you do have questions for Caroline, Rachna, and Athena, just please type it into the chat and we'll get to them in the order of appearance. This is from Edith to everyone. What would you say is gained or lost in the digital posting of an original piece? Does that mean like, um, like a physical object being like taken a photo of or something created or, like originating digitally or yes i think is the answer <laughs> yes well i feel like a lot of it is you can't hold it and see how it works or how it opens and i know caroline's books are there are a lot of pieces to it and a lot of like interactive pieces where you could flip open panels and mirrored pieces and I feel like just the whole playful interaction with it is you kind of lose that when you just take a photo of it. Yeah I mean even with 
a comic that might be easier to kind of share online like if it's meant to be in a book and it's meant to be like a certain dimension and if that kind of impacts the way you're reading it especially if it's on Instagram and it's not just a comic you made that's like these are all square panels it's like well this panel's this size and this panel's this size and this is a whole page like there's not really an easy way to share that on social media like you would need a blog or website or you just need people to buy the actual book so yeah there is definitely a little bit lost if it's you're trying to share something that wasn't made specifically for a digital platform and also like the texture of the paper that you use or like the ink on the paper a lot of that is lost <laughs> well thank you the next question is from rachel uh this is for athena do you consider your main character to be a doppelganger or is she just you how do you deal with the dissonance that may arise in crafting an image of slash story about yourself, i.e. balancing between precise autobiography and interesting art slash storytelling? And that last part of the question can uh, also apply for Rock Mountain Caroline. Uh, yeah, no, it's not a, not a doppelganger. I don't think my cartoon avatar is going to like sneak into my room and try and <laughs> replace my identity and life. <laughs> Um, I do consider it kind of like an avatar of myself because it's definitely not a true um, depiction of myself, both visually and also like you never know how the outside world really perceives you. Like it's just like, oh, this is probably how I look when I did that or how I sounded when I did that or it's very much a projection of my own self-perception. And I feel like I do change a lot of details in order to make a better or more coherent story. Um, like I started a longer story actually at the beginning of this mentorship and I've been thinking about it a lot. And just last night I was like, I need to change the entire middle section of the story. Like this conversation happened on the street but it has to happen in Jumbo Slice. Like, what was I thinking? Like, it was like very important and I was like, God damn it. So like those kind of things become more auto fiction and then with the dailies, it's like you have this little like action figure of yourself bopping around and by like kind of effectively removing yourself from a situation and reinterpreting it on the page, it's like I'm able to have like compassion for myself. Like if I'm depicting something that was embarrassing or like stressful and I'm like, it was pretty funny. Like if I saw this happen to someone else, like that's hilarious. And so I don't know, it's, it's a helpful exercise. Um, in some ways, it's like both narcissistic and a little humbling. <laughs> um, Rachna, Caroline, do you have anything to, to add? I think I feel the same way, like Athena, how part of it can be narcissistic. But I never <laughs> intend for any of like my characters to be me. Like I'm, I don't know, like for me, a lot of it is just like, I, had, I just have to just, draw it out but I don't know I feel like I draw it out and like I don't ever want to hear or talk about it ever again <laughs> <laughs> like it's out there don't ask if it's if it's me <laughs> just don't <laughs> those are the comics I never show anybody that's like I have a binder full of those where it's like and now we never look at it again it's done <laughs> but Caroline how do you feel about your work I remember taking a nonfiction class in college and 
there was a lot of required reading about nonfiction. And the one that I remember most was that this woman, when she was, was writing about, you know, how to present yourself in a story and how to write about yourself and the things that happened, the, the version of yourself in that story is what she called like you 2.0. So it's the, the better version of you, the more eloquent version of you. It's not, it is you, but it's also very much not you. And so that's what I've attempted to do with anything that is considered nonfiction or based on something that is real. But it's, I mean, of course, with any nonfiction work, especially creative nonfiction, it's not, it's not totally accurate when it comes to facts. Like, Athena, you changed the way um, the conversation went, the, the place where it happened, but it's still, it's still a conversation that happened. It just happened to be that you changed the location because it made the story better. That doesn't make it not true. And so I think while I don't do a lot of nonfiction, or write about myself personally. Um, I try to write the best version of myself that I can while not necessarily hiding my flaws or anything like that, but just a more, just a, a more eloquent version of me. <laughs> yeah, if you get like the heart of a conversation, it doesn't matter if like each person said that exact thing. It's exactly. just like, you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um, we have another question for everyone from Edith. Uh, what's on the horizon for you now? And how has your work evolved or changed given current events? Uh, there's less completed. <laughs> because there are no fairs to attend. <laughs> but also, I think we're, oh, like, both Caroline and I, we're, we've just been tired. And so just the energy isn't there. But I think we both, like, I do want to put a new book out by the end of the year, hopefully. And so it's going to be a little bit more traditional than, you know, a toy camera. I just, I think I just want to go back to, like, basics. <laughs> would that be a comic or would that be um something else. <laughs> I was thinking like a collection of mini comics. Nice. Yeah, no, I totally hear you about the energy thing. Um, it's almost like we have a reason to be stressed <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there are definitely like some more dailies that I want to draw. And I do want to finish and edit the thumbnails of this freaking other <laughs> comic that I started back in like April, March. Um, I don't really have a timeline for that, but I'll pick away at it and I'm sure I'll think of other things to do. <laughs> oh, well, um, if there's no other questions from the audience, we'll kind of start to wrap things up here, but I just wanted to thank you all for your work, both in the exercises program and with the, the zines and comics you produced for this. Um, I'm really excited to actually have them in my collection. And it seems like a few people that were joining us today also uh, picked them up from the website. Um, before we do sign off and let everyone 
uh, take off. Where, one more time, can everyone follow your follow your work? Um, probably the best place to follow me would be on Instagram. My handle is athena.nailer. And they come back, where are you? Same with us on Instagram, and it's at latecomeback. Well, again, thank you so much for being part of this. Everyone who joined us tonight, thank you.